0: Welcome to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin, and you are here for part two of my interview with Sylvie DeGiusto. And hopefully you heard part one. If you didn't, stop this particular episode, go back to that one, check out part one first, and then come back here to part two. And Sylvie is an amazing lady. She's a fantastic keynote speaker. She's the author of a couple really great books, uh, The Image of Leadership, as well as Discover Your Fair Advantage, the course creator, a boating enthusiast, entrepreneur. She's worked with amazing companies like Hilton, Bloomberg, Microsoft, US Air Force, Nespresso, and more. So I hope you got a lot out of part one because there was so much, so much good stuff there, but there's even more in this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of my conversation with Sylvie. Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue Podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and Amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. That's true. Very true. Somewhat related to the branding, um, but it also kind of ties back into something you spoke about a moment ago. Um, within your A B C D E, your very your A is appearance. Mm-hmm. Um when I talk about it in terms of the F six formula, I say fashion, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Yeah. And How important those first impressions are, specifically about how a person looks, how a person appears. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I give you a little bit of brain science if you don't mind. Oh,
0: please, neuroscience. Oh, I that is, I love that
1: stuff. Ninety percent of information in our brain gets transmitted in a visual way. So even if you look at somebody, clearly it's their clothing, their hair, their makeup, their style, but even things like their body language is something that ends up in your brain as visual information. Hmm. Even right now, people only hearing my voice on this podcast have somehow a mental image of me, how I could look like. Or when we have people on the phone and we think that they know that they look like. So our brains are actually quite lazy and that's why they... (laughs) What cut through our eyes, right? Yeah, and so in those micro moments, no matter if they are seven seconds or some studies say milliseconds online or offline, when we look at people, uh, their visual appearance is like a filter in front of them that we instantly recognize, but that filter starts with the suit you are born in, your body. tall? Are you short? Are you overweight? Are you underweight? Do you take care of your body? Does it look healthy? Is it in shape? Yes, then hopefully you cover it with clothes. Um, (laughs) uh, What do they say about you? The fit, the brand, the pattern, the colors, the quality, the fabrics, And then what do you add in terms of, you know, uh, hair, makeup, accessories, shoes, skin, teeth, the entire visual picture uh, that you create. And so it's not as easy as to say, uh, just throw up on some fancy clothing. There is way more to your appearance, your visual appearance than just your clothing. And to be very uh, clear, looking good is great, but it's not enough. Our mm. great looks are very short-lived. You mm. need to follow up right afterwards. But yeah, your visual um, appearance plays a huge role on how people perceive you because we are visual creatures. We just take a shortcut through our eyes and look at somebody and think we know something about that person. There are plenty of studies out there to prove that point. One, for example, says that it only takes... um uh 10 milliseconds until we form impressions about somebody based on their social media profile picture mm. by looking at them, right? And there are others where in, I think, 13 seconds, people put specific traits, characteristics um, on somebody just by seeing their face. Or there are other things out there, like 78% seventy eight percent of people think that you are more powerful if you are tall, mm. 56% of people think that you are uh, financially more successful if you have straight and white teeth. Now, does it mean that every tall person is powerful and straight, white, and teeth always leads to a full bank account? No. Those are just <laughs> the stereotypes that exist out there and that I make people aware of that they exist and that they can also use them to their advantage.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, I could I could see how people would think that way. Um, and I. I have to admit, there have been times I—I I don't know if it's—I don't necessarily know the, the tall or the teeth thing, but I mean, I've made value judgments on people based upon what I've seen without ever having heard the person say anything, not ever having learned anything else about the person, knowing nothing else other than just what I saw in that moment. Yeah, and that's, and I think that's just a a normal and natural part of life. Mm-hmm. And you know what what I what I like to do is. Not necessarily blow somebody's perception out of the water, although I do have a, I get kind of a sixth sense of fun out of that sometimes. But there's reasons for that. Uh, but what I like to do is kind of play on that a little bit. It's like, uh, in fact, sometimes if I'm if I'm speaking, I'll ask questions. I I do a fun thing. I don't do it all the time, but I have a fun little exercise that I have people do. I I present. Usually it's five, four or five scenarios. So it's if, if it's five, I'll do four truths and one lie. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And I have somebody try and figure out what the lie is, but they're all things about me.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: none of the people there know me
2: mm-hmm. ahead of time.
0: So they're making those value judgments based on the statements and what they see. Mm-hmm. And occasionally somebody will get it right, right away. But typically it takes a couple of them before they finally get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, that can actually can be a lot of fun, doing that. <laughs> so that kind of emphasizes the point that you're trying to make there. Now, some of the reading that I was doing about the things that you're doing right now, Sylvie, you have another book you're working on, don't
1: you? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my God.
0: Make <laughs> Me Feel Important, right? Isn't that the name of it? Exactly.
1: Wow, you are really prepared.
0: Oh, my gosh. Just now, I got to tell you, from, from that title right there, I mean, as soon as I saw that, you had me.
1: Mm, I'm glad. I'm glad that was a good test. Uh, yes. Oh man,
0: you you pulled me in, and see that's that's a key thing. If you can pull men in by the title of a book, that's impressive. Because, yeah. Unfortunately, m- again, I realize I'm kind of downgrading men here, and I am one. But if there's a way to get the gist of a book without having to read it, most men will do that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. And yeah. so, if
0: you can get them to actually read a book. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So you're on to something with that title.
1: I hope so. I hope so. And it's already in the making. Parts of it already have been noted during the writing process of the last book where I thought, yeah, that is important, but not for this book. It belongs Ooh. in another book. So there is already some basic content. But I, first of all, I really wanted to go deeper with my ABCDE framework and use yes. this framework. Um To help people understand, basically, if we bring it down to one line, what we all want is to feel important, In no no matter in which relationship we are. Mm -hmm. Might be as spouses, might be as parents, might be with a customer, might Mm -hmm. be the relationship I have with myself. (laughs) In the end, what we all admire is if somebody makes us feel important right? For sure. And I so I use that uh, modern emotional intelligence framework, those A, B, C, D, E, to not just give you really tangible examples and advice on how you can make you, you know, how you make feel yourself more important, mm-hmm. how to increase your self-confidence and your self-esteem, but also those around you. And since I work with a lot of uh, customer facing employees, the focus will be those around you in terms of customers so it's mm-hmm. it's not a, a marriage book it's not uh, uh, <laughs> spouses parents or similar but certainly you can learn some things from there too it's really much focused on yourself as an individual how can I make myself feel more important what can mm-hmm. I do to increase my self-confidence and self-esteem And how can I use that intelligence in interactions with others when I'm about to create relationships with customers, for example?
0: For sure. You know, I have long believed that how I think about me and how I treat me tells everyone how they are to think about me and how they are to treat me.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Unfortunately, it took me an awfully long time to figure that out. (laughs) And... I, I wasn't such a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't a very good steward of me for mm-hmm. a long time. But when I when I understood that, when I finally got it, it's amazing how my other relationships changed. It's absolutely. And, ha- and coincident not so coincidentally, I guess, some relationships went away
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: because I was allowing some other people to not treat me as well yeah. as they should have been. Mm-hmm. And I for lack of a better term, gave him an ultimatum. It's like, you know what? I'm not treating myself like that anymore, and I'm not going to allow you to treat me like that anymore. So if you want to get on board, I'm good with that. And if you don't, bye. Bye. (laughs) And I was totally fine with that.
1: Good. Good for you.
0: Let's talk a little bit about relationships. Not that we haven't been talking about them, because we have been. But this is, after all, the Relationships and Revenue podcast, and I can't go this whole time without at least talking about that with you. So... I ask all my guests this, Sylvie, and I want to know this from you because I believe it to be important. I know your connection with folks on stage is everything. Mm -hmm. And how you have that interaction with them is really important. Mm -hmm. But I believe in order for you to have the best relationship with those you work with, it starts at home. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what are you doing right now to build into, to make better, or to improve your most significant relationships at home? And what impact do those relationships have on your business?
1: Mm -hmm. So relationships at home include my husband of 23 years, include my two children of 12 and 15 years, uh, a puppy of uh, sixty years. <laughs> and then my older brother, because I'm very lucky that uh, my older brother lives just next door that we have uh, made the choice, wow. the conscious choice to kind of live together or get old together. Nice. What at home is first and foremost, and this might sound very selfish, but I have learned over the years that if I don't take care of myself, then my relationship to others, especially at home, are going downwards. So I have a very disciplined self-care routine. And that doesn't mean that I get massages uh, every other day. That doesn't mean that I I don't know. Whatever you have in your mind what self-care means. For me, it means that I start my day off on the boat. Usually at around 5.30, if I'm awake, I walk out in my pajamas and a cup of coffee. Without makeup, I step on my boat, which is just 20 steps away from my house, mm. and I drive out and I watch the sunrise. There is no music, there is no there, there's no phone, there is no nothing. It is just me and the sunrise. And if there are days where I can't get out of the bed at 5.30, then I try to at least catch the sunset. So why I'm saying that is I need that for myself and for the relationship I have with the people at home. I need my my time, even if I have to move it all the way in the morning or in way in the evening. And, you know, there are habits and routines in our house, like we always have a family dinner, even if throughout mm-hmm. the entire day we are all over the place, all over the world, we have family dinner together. And in the best case, if I'm not Love here, that. join it virtually. That is just one of the rules that we mm-hmm. have kind of stability. We come together to talk about our days, what went well, what went um, bad. I'm going on about my family. I don't even know the original question anymore, but I think the freedom that I have here and the peace in my home, and I always call it the temperature we have at home. Mm. has a huge impact on how I feel temperature outside of home Mm -hmm. and how I feel the temperature in the room with my audience members. And I mean, let's just be honest, as a mom of two and you are a father too, when I leave here for my speaking engagements, oh my God, the first five minutes I'm out of this house, I'm thinking, oh, I can eat by myself. I can shower. (laughs) I can sleep by myself. I can to myself i'm so Mm -hmm. excited and yeah two days later i miss them like crazy and want to go home
0: Mm -hmm. oh i get it i do i i understand that and and as we talked before we started recording um yours are just you know you've got a full-fledged teenager and one who's about to become a teenager and so i know it's scary to think about but in the not too distant future They're going to be somewhere else living their own lives. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of the things you're talking about doing, it makes them even more important, meaning the investing in yourself.
2: Yes, yes. And how
0: important that is. Mm -hmm. Because I think that happens to a lot of people, a lot of parents, as they devote so much time to their kids to the detriment or neglect of themselves that when the kids are gone, they have no identity. Yes. It happens a lot, a lot of marriages. Yeah. That's how they fall apart is because they invest too much time. You hear me, parents. There is such a thing as de- devoting too much time to your kids. Mm-hmm. They need to know they're not number one. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you devote all your time to your kids and they move out on their own and they're used to everybody coming to help them and to do everything for them. Oh, my goodness. They're in for a rude awakening because the world is not like that. The world is not just going to reach out and say, oh, yes, here, please let me help every single time you need it. Yeah. So I I digress. That's a, that's a sticky subject for me, to say the least. So you're doing great things to take care of you. And I love to hear about that. Um, and obviously, you know, more information about you using the boat and how critically important that is to you, especially in the morning mm-hmm. to just to go out and watch the sunrise. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine. Now, I'm just curious. Only because for part of my growing up years, uh, I lived in an area in Missouri called Lake of the Ozarks. It's a big yeah. lake. Yeah. And and we had a boat. So I'm curious what kind of boat you guys have.
1: Uh, I have a key vest, um, uh, 24 foot, that is just uh, big enough and strong enough and powerful enough for me to cruise around in the bay here in Tampa. And mm. um, yeah, I'm have a lot of fun with it.
0: Mm, I love that. We had a 20 foot Chris Craft made out of cherry wood.
1: Oh, Chris Craft, one of my favorite friends.
0: Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful boat. It was gorgeous. I was very sad when my dad sold it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can just imagine. Yeah.
0: So, one of the elements that I believe to be critically important, especially for entrepreneurs, is investing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what I mean by investing is, um, And you started the process by talking about how you invest in you. Mm -hmm. At least you mentioned some things that you do. So investing in yourself, but also in the people you bring around you, the people who are investing in you. Yeah. So I want to know who's investing in you right now and what other things are you doing to invest in yourself?
1: Who is investing into me right now? Well, a lot of people are out there mentally investing in me by reading my book right now. And I'm so overwhelmed by the feedback uh, <laughs> I receive in a, in, in a good way, right? I didn't expect that. I didn't any book launch campaign where I asked people to post about it. It was a very natural process. And I feel that that investment mentally and spiritually comes back to me. And that's why I already started to write the next one. Mm. So I appreciate that push of motivation that um, I got from all the people out there. I am very lucky that I'm very involved in the National Speakers Association. Hmm. Those are my people. That's where I found my mentors who invest a lot in me. I'm very lucky that I am signed with uh, one of the biggest and greatest speaker management agencies around the world, CMI, and they Mm -hmm. invest their trust and belief in me. Similar, like I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of speaker bureaus who invest their trust and me sending me to their clients uh, and relying on me that I do a great work. Um, There are so many people who invest in me. My audience members invest in me. I mean, there is... And you know, you mentioned it before, there is just something special between the relationship you have on stage to those people in Mm -hmm. the audience. And during COVID, I was a mess. I was a total mess because I so much missed that connection and yes we had zoom and we had screens but it was just it was just different so i'm so appreciative about everything that my audiences invest back into me because audiences like i have make my job fun and enjoyable and easy
0: yeah yeah um i'm curious and this is not something i ask everybody but because you're a speaker and i am too and I, I know the work that it takes to go into it. What do you do to work on your
1: craft? Uh, very painful uh, things. Uh, and I'm giving you the smallest and most tangible and practical thing because you can do it too. Mm. If you are starting out on your speaking career or even many years later, you should always do that, right? I st- after so many years, I rehearse every single keynote the evening before, mm-hmm. right? But what I do to improve is not just the, the rehearsal part, but for many years, I brought in a tiny camera. Mm. I, had, I had to buy a, a tiny Kodak camera. Nowadays, you can probably use your iPhone or your, your smartphone, whatever brand it is. And the next time you present it, I want you to put it somewhere in the back of the room and film yourself. It doesn't have to be picture-perfect sound. As long as you see yourself and hear yourself, that's good. And on the flight back, every single time, I watched that recording, but in two ways. The first way is I turned off the sound. Hmm. And it was painful, painful (laughs) to watch what my body is doing on stage. You you know, we are so in the moment, we have no idea. We just run on autopilot. And Mm -hmm. I was running around like a squirrel and I did things with my hands (laughs) that stood in a way that didn't make any sense and was not congruent with the words that I said. Mm. And then I do the opposite, I turn off the picture and I just Mm. listen. And it was Mm. painful again, because if you are just focused on the words, you will hear all those oohs and ahs and pauses that you did wrong and the volume that you didn't adjust and the speed and so on. So um, just a tip uh, on the iceberg, record yourself, but Mm. don't just watch the recording Extract the visual from the audio, and then you will find things you had no idea exist.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's very, very helpful. I I have done similar things to that, not in exactly the way you said that. So um, that's something I'm going to start doing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I can't wait to see what the results are of that.
1: Yeah, sometimes painful. I have warned you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I consider myself warned.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good. What
0: is what is your definition of success?
1: My definition of success is hi what a loaded question. My definition is of success is looking back in many years and I do think I would do it again in a blink of an eye. Mm. Or maybe looking back and thinking wow you you have done quite well. Done mm-hmm. um, quite well. But my definition of success is nothing materialistic or not connected to, I don't know, a special award or a number. I just want to uh, look back and know time used well.
0: Mm, I like that. Time used well. Mm-hmm. What is your number one go-to daily habit?
1: My number one go-to daily habit, if I can, boating.
0: Okay. If you can't boat, what's the next one?
1: Having dinner with the family.
0: I like like that. What makes a great leader?
1: A great leader, first and foremost, creates more great leaders. Not just followers, Mm. but he or she or they create more leaders.
0: Mm. I started asking that question more recently. And typically what I get are characteristics.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And not that those are bad answers. They're not. Mm -hmm. But... That's what you just voiced is something I have long believed. Mm-hmm. And that is good leaders create followers. Great leaders create other leaders and invest in those leaders so they can become great. In fact, the absolute best leaders are creating leaders who are better than them.
1: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And and are totally good with that,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: which is where I am. I mean, that's that's the kind of work that I like to do. I like to invest in people so they become better than me. Yes. It's like, I don't want you to be as good as me. I want you to be better than me. <laughs> because if we don't want that, are, do we really want the best for the person?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, truly. Truly, yeah.
0: Okay. Now, this is this one kind of trips people up sometimes. Yeah. And it's not meant to do that.
1: Yeah,
0: um, Going from the perspective that if you want to learn and you want to grow, you have to fail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With that as our backdrop. Tell me about a time you failed big and what was the result?
1: Mm-hmm. When I came to the United States and decided to become a speaker, the first thing I wanted to have is a website and a logo, right? And that's the first thing that I developed. It was SDG, Success Development Group. If you not instantly notice, those are also my initials. So I put so much thought into it, mm-hmm. put it out there, and then crickets. Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. What? And I was so des- no, I, I was so busy with working in my business rather than on my business, what it actually is. And mm-hmm. even if you know, if I got calls and somebody said, Can you speak about body language? I said, sure. Can you speak about communication? Sure. Can you speak about leadership? Sure. Can you speak about whatever? Sure. As long as you give me a check, I'm gonna speak about anything. <laughs> and I I really failed. The first two years of my speaking business were a disaster mm-hmm. and a big fail until I was lucky enough to surround myself with the great humans and friends and mentors I now have at the National Speakers Association who taught me gently and sometimes not so gently that you need to niche into an area. You need to be referable for something you Mm -hmm. need to become an expert or even a thought leader in an area. Only then people will call you and ask you specifically to speak about something. And if that is not your area of expertise, you need to have the guts to say no and say, well, I cover body language a little bit, but I'm not a body language expert. Go to the one and only fantastic Tracy Brown and send them to others, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the result of that failure was that I committed to an area of expertise I'm passionate about, where I know organizations experience pain and I can help, Mm -hmm. and where I have the experience and the background to actually add value.
0: Love that, love that. And we're coming up close to wrap-up time here, Sylvie, but before we get there, a couple quick things. First one, how can folks find you?
1: You can find me on the internet. (laughs) Everywhere you type in my not so easy first and last name, you will find either my website and I encourage you to stop by on my website. Which is
0: amazing, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, If you don't get a pop-up or something, then type in sylvedichuster.com slash audit because there you can take a free perception audit and get a personalized (laughs) report on, How the world perceives you and what your image actually says to the world doesn't mean that it is right, but at least you know how the world might perceive you. Mm -hmm. And you can find me on social media all over, either on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Uh, You need to holler a little bit louder on Twitter and Facebook. I'm not so often there,
2: (laughs) Uh, but uh, you will
1: find me there too. And last but not least, I would appreciate if you stop by Amazon and grab a copy of my new book, Discover Your Fear Advantage. It will be a 461-page long journey of self-discovery, helping you identify what is unique about you, what makes you one of a kind. And if you ever thought, I am the best-kept secret in my industry, then Mm. this book is for you.
0: Excellent. What do you have coming up that has you excited?
1: I have coming up the... Annual convention of the National Speakers Association, our 50th anniversary in Orlando. If you somehow make your living with the spoken word, no matter if you're a speaker, a trainer, a coach, an author, a consultant, then you have to be there. It is, uh, it is in July 15 to 17. Uh, and in it's Orlando, our 50th anniversary. And I have the great pleasure to be the opening keynote of this uh, wow. uh, convention. And you can imagine it's like a surgeon doing surgery in front of other surgeons. Right. Because speaking in front of other speakers is quite something uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm excited. and I'm truly scared.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations. And we'll be praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> What? All right. Well, now we come up to the last bit of the interview where I typically do, I do something that's called the final four.
2: Yes. And just
0: four quick questions. Just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Mm-hmm. I, w- I will tell you the first question is usually the one that's the most difficult okay. of the four. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's but go. I, think,
0: I think you'll do great. So here it is. Why did God create Sylvie?
1: Because of my purpose, the purpose that I have to fulfill.
0: Okay. What are you doing, reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow?
1: Uh, The current book that I'm reading is right here. It's called Inside the Surprising Tools About How Others See Us, How We See Ourselves and Why the Answers Matter More Than We Think by Tasha Uric. Mm. And uh, I wish I could tell you something um, more exciting, but I haven't read any non-business book in the last 20 years or so. All my books here are somehow related to some business topic I'm interested to. I don't even have a TV. I don't watch TV, uh, but not. It was not a purpose choice. But I look out of my window and I have the most beautiful view. Why would I look into a screen if I can look on the ocean?
0: Exactly. Perfect point. Love that. What do you do for fun outside of the boat? We know about the boat. The boat is fantastic. Love the boat.
1: The boat is fantastic. What do I do outside for fun?
0: Yeah. What's what's your favorite thing to shop for? Everything. Really?
1: Everything that I need and everything that I didn't need, but find a reason why I needed it out.
0: <laughs> all right. Your last shopping trip, what'd you get?
1: My last shopping trip. And what did I get? Well, I'm an online shopper. I'm an online oh, okay. doctor, and I buy all my clothes online. But the actually last one is I've worked with a wonderful tailor in Hong Kong. Mm. That's all my custom made suits. Wow. And in the meantime, we know each other so well that uh, I find a fabric somewhere in the world and think, oh, this is good. This this has to become a suit. I sent him the fabric and he tailors custom-made suit for me. And if you look onto my Instagram or his Instagram, you see his latest story. That was my last shopping trip and I'm very excited about it.
0: Nice. Okay. Definitely going to have to check that out. What are you most grateful for? Family. That makes sense.
1: Family. And in particular, my uh, two children. Uh, I did not plan to become a mom. In mm. fact, I planned the opposite. And I saw myself as this independent career woman without children. Mm. And oh my God, and if it was God, thank you very much for changing that path of my <laughs> something. If I would have missed out on the opportunity to raise two spectacular human beings, which is also the toughest job that I have. <laughs> like, I am incredibly grateful for that experience and that it seems like so far I didn't mess it up totally.
0: <laughs> well, I, I get that. I mean, we, we all, it seems like what we show our kids are the things we despise about ourselves the most. hmm And the traits we wish they would get from us, the things that we think are good, they never get those.
2: Oh, yeah. So,
0: Um, you know, you just you you do the best you can at the time. Exactly. You know, know, your ability as a parent today is very different than it was 15 years ago. So I get that. I get that. Well, Sylvie, thank you very much for your time today. You have been so Thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, It's meant the world to me to have you here and to share your joy and enthusiasm with us. It is quite infectious. So thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to uh, watch from afar and close up the opportunity with you. Thank you.
0: Appreciate that. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. Uh, It means the world to me to have each and every one of you here. You've invested something, your most precious resource you can never get back, and that's your time.